0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Today, for you, our podcast listeners, a special treat, a discount subscription to the Weekly Standard. When you're done listening to the podcast, be sure to click the box in the post to get your special discount. Our other special treat is, Bill Kristol, I understand that you're feeling more positive than ever about the state of the Republican Party. Is that right, Bill?
1: No, I'm not delusional, Michael, or or a (laughs) lunatic. I am Really, looking at the Republicans here in Washington, it enough to, God, you just wonder... What is with these guys? No message, no policy, no entrepreneurship, innovation. I was having lunch with someone today. We were talking about this. I mean, they all just meekly go along, they don't want to rock the boat. The boat needs some rocking and where are the Jack Kemps and where are the Jesse Helms and where are the you know where are the people who are willing to take a bold stance on something and something different from just the most conventional point of view? It really is uh, I mean I'm sure it'll change and people are still in shell shock I suppose after the election, but there's a, it, it is a funny how conformist the party is, I guess, is what strikes me. The Republicans at their best have always had dissenters left and right, and not just left-right, but orthogonal to left and right. You know, supply-side economics right. is different from the traditional Republican economics. Reagan's foreign policy was different from Kissinger's. There you know, good arguments you made on both sides of those. is pro-life, pro, uh, pro-choice. I mean, there are many different aspects of the party, and people have just become so cautious and timid and stepping out and expressing themselves and taking a little bit of a view that's a little different from the leadership. It really is, it's not healthy for an opposition party. When you're in opposition, it's the time to have, a let a thousand flowers bloom, get some ideas out there, take on the big banks, take on Wall Street a little bit, take on the conventional wisdom on this issue or that issue, and instead it's just... uh, timidity all around,
0: it seems. And there's a price to be paid for that, Bill Crystal. and this is an area where I can actually offer something out in the grassroots. You know, I do talk radio every day in Massachusetts, which is already a lonely Republican in New England. And then, of course, on you know, I'm on the Twitterverse and the new media universe, and people are so dispirited. They feel like they're out every day fighting you know, blog to blog, you know, phone call to phone call, tweet to tweet, trying to make arguments on behalf of either the Republicans or make the case of how poorly President Obama's leading in certain areas, and then they look to the party and they just groan going, are you you guys really going to leave us here to fight this fight? Why won't you join us in these fights?
1: Yeah, And and related to that, I think you've captured that well, related to that, everyone is now a tactician. I mean, the Hegel fight, which obviously I was involved in, we talked about several times, people go, wow, was that really the right fight to fight? Maybe it would have been better to use the resources here and make the argument there and he was going to win anyway, and Maybe sometimes you just say, this guy isn't the right candidate, and we're going to oppose him. If you get 41 votes, that's fine. If you get 21 votes, sometimes that happens that way. Maybe we could have gotten 51 votes. It it worked out the way it worked out. But then everything has become such a calculation. Sort of everyone is a a strategist, and a tactician, and a calculator. And I, I think the party would be better off if they really did... Just, I said this at the Republican retreat about uh, six weeks ago, the House Republicans. Get rid of the pollsters for a while. We're, we're 19, 20 months away from a general election. Can't we just – and I'm not saying you – know, people are entitled to be uh, – this isn't an argument simply for being as right-wing as possible on right. everything either. There might be issues where we should rethink some things and be more moderate, but, but just have – take positions you believe in and make arguments that seem to make sense and explore issues in a fresh way. Uh, but but everyone is calculating. I, I see this in the fight against Obama now on the sequester. They're polling. They're worried. The messaging is not great. Mm-hmm. We've got to get this there. We've got to get that there. It's, what do you believe? What do you think is important? Make the case for it.
0: But one of the concerns that a, a lot of people who share the values of the Republican Party have out, once again, at the grassroots, is that you don't have people who can make the case. In other words, the case is being made every day it, it just mention again in my twitter feed where smart conservatives from around the country are in 140 characters or less eviscerating the arguments of president obama and then they look up and what do they see john boehner saying it's time to get off your ass i mean that's that's really that's it that's what we got
1: no and i feel that way i mean a little i mean a little myself and says i'm not sure we're doing a perfect job here at the weekly Center by any means but you know, I think the order, if you read, you know, the Standard, National Review and other mm-hmm. journals, if you, if you listen to, as you say, people, uh, you read the intelligent blog posts and listen to intelligent talk radio, there are plenty of people making the arguments. I do feel like it's the elected officials. Maybe this is easy for me to say. I'm not mm-hmm. one. But I think that's where the ball really gets dropped. I mean, they're, they're, they are so timid. Some of them are inarticulate. But mostly they're just timid and conventional. You can't make an interesting argument unless you're willing to risk being wrong, unless mm-hmm. you're willing to risk being unpopular occasionally, unless you can't fight, uh, uh, engaging fights, unless there's a risk that you might lose the fight. And they're so cautious and timid, the elected officials, especially in Washington. I do think some of the younger ones are, are of course, much better, but they're not that prominent yet. Right. Some of the people out in the states are good, and there I think we really have some hope, and I really hope uh, people rise up. I, I really am now uh, obsessed with the notion of, uh, people who are unhappy at state and states and localities, they should run for office or go find someone to run for office. And whether it's a Democratic seat, and now I'm going to say something that will horrify all my friends on the Hill, or a Republican seat, you right. know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we turned over 20 of these stale, lazy incumbents and got some young, aggressive, different voices in Congress every, every two years.
0: Oh, no, I'm with you completely. We've done campaign schools up here in Massachusetts. I've done them at pro, uh, gratis. And when people thought it was you know ridiculous. And then in 2010, when we were losing every race at the statewide level, we actually doubled the number of Republicans in the Massachusetts State House because we got normal people to just run. And like you said, Bill, to run on their ideas. The ideas work. Do you think that maybe the D.C. Republican establishment team, whatever you want to call it, doesn't believe anymore that their principles actually work; they actually make the economy better and people's lives better.
1: I think I don't know about that, but I think they're very rattled by losing two elections in a row at '08 and 2012, and especially by the Romney defeat, which was one that they all told themselves they would win, that they would win by running an incredibly cautious, conventional, mm-hmm. conservative, with little C campaign. They were shocked by that loss, so I think now there is a real kind of. Um, uh, people are going into the fetal position and sort of hoping that no one hits them too hard. Uh, no offense to fetuses and unborn children who deserve better than that comparison, but you know that no one that they won't get beaten up too badly, and maybe they'll, they'll get lucky. And if they just can sort of say the same thing over and over, maybe the media will finally be nicer to them. And um, so I don't quite know why it is that that here in D.C., maybe it's just a temporary thing and people are a little dispirited, but. I am struck just again by the. Uh, you'd think if you were a young politician here in D.C., you'd decide, "I'm going to take this position I, right now. I don't have that many uh, supporters, perhaps even among the Republican conference, but I'm going to make the case." And you know what? If it goes nowhere, it goes nowhere, and it's not the end of the world, right? But but people are so hesitant to do anything before it's uh, polled and focus group. They should really get rid of focus groups. They're the worst. They're right. worse than the polls, I think. Um, anyway, this is my venting because it's. Uh, Slightly grim day. Chuck Hagel, the new secretary of defense.
0: The right. By the way, you, you mentioned uh, principled fights. I thought John Podoritz had a good piece in the U.S. and New York Post today about saying sometimes you just have to stand up and say he's a bad guy for this job regardless of how the final vote counts comes out. That's what I saw happening. Chuck Hagel, the Republican fight, or I should say the Republicans making the case against him, was one of the few things that's cheered me in the past few weeks.
1: I totally agree. It turned out better than people expected. Forty. It's the biggest, best showing of Republicans in the Senate obviously this session so far, 41 of them hanging together and, and uh, making good arguments, winning the case, I would say, intellectually, mm-hmm. and politically actually gaining some advantage, I think, by putting Hagel on the defense of putting the administration on the, p- the defense of making clear Republicans take national security. Seriously, I thought John Potter had a very good comment about this. But it's funny, he and I had the same experience. I'm sure you too. People said, Why'd you get in this fight? Did you figure it out? Did you, you know, what was the calculation? Was it You're going to do this, or so you didn't have to fight that one, or you picked Hagel rather than Jack Lou or Kerry? No, he was just such a bad pick for Secretary of Defense that it seemed worth making that case. And I, I really wish the elected officials would, be, would react a little more to the, on the merits of the issues and spend a little less time calculating. We're an awful long way away from 2014, let alone 2016. Uh, let's just fight some fights here and, and see where the, you know, let, let things fall out as they may.
0: I, I think it's excellent advice that people are inspired by. I also hope that they will not hesitate to pick fights with the cuts that Chuck Hagel tries to force through. I'd like to hear some specifics, and that's one of the things that's, that is, uh, that's been missing. No specific, let's cut this to get to the $85 billion from the House. No specific, here's the part of the defense budget that we need to defend. I'm not hearing any of that from Republicans.
1: I totally agree. I think Republicans have to convince themselves that you know, Obama is overreaching. Look, I've heard this, uh, as you have you know, a million right. times. Because of the cheap demagoguing and the use of the, you know, it has been terrible, Obama been such an irresponsible mm-hmm. president in these last week or two, and this last week or two, as he has been for, for so much of his term. But I, whenever I hear the Republicans telling themselves, ah, I think he's going to pay a price because he's, um, he's, uh, he's, 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 he's overreaching, he's, right. he's overplaying his hand, I sort of think to myself, well, maybe, on the other hand, at least he's playing a hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever you think of President Obama, you and I don't agree with him. He's got a strategy. It's pretty simple. It's pretty obvious. He's going to demonize Republicans, as slashing government indiscriminately. He's going to try to use that to, to cause wreck havoc among Republicans and, and, and then ultimately to win back the House in 2014. It's a reasonable strategy. He's going to pursue it. The Republicans complaining about it doesn't do much good, you know. And what's so? uh, He may be overplaying his hand a little bit, but at least he's playing a hand. What is the plan? What is the hand that John Boehner or Mitch McConnell are playing? What's the strategy? What What's the theory of how this is going to work out uh, effectively, either in terms of policy or politics? I I really don't see it.
0: It's kind of frightening that. If Kenny Rogers were the head of the Republican Party right now, no one to hold him, no one to fold him, he'd be the smartest person in the room. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us on this edition of the Weekly Standard podcast. Please check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. And don't forget to click the box below for a special discount subscription to the Weekly Standard. I'm your host, Michael Graham.